Thank you. We're joined as usual by Rodan Public Radio political analyst Scott McKay. Hello there, Scott. Good morning, everyone. And University of Rodan Political Science Professor Maureen Moakley. Good morning to you. Good morning. And we're pleased to welcome as our guest the Executive Director of the Public Policy Center at the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth. Mike Goodman, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Rodan Public Radio has aired a series of stories about New Bedford this week as part of our latest one square mile close up on a nearby community. New Bedford's story is a lot like that of Providence and some other parts of New England. It had a lot of prosperity in the past and has faced a challenge in recreating that wealth ever since. So, Mike Goodman, what is your view on the current identity of New Bedford? I think the current identity of New Bedford is as it has been for the last couple of centuries. It's oriented towards the ocean and the sea. So it's known as the Whaling City, which is a, an ode or a reference to its historical leadership in that field. It had been at the center of the manufacturing economy and the textile industry, and it continues to be connected to the sea in important ways through the fishing industry, through marine technology uh, and uh, oceanographic science, and soon the uh, offshore wind industry. And Mayor Mitchell has been running the show there at City Hall since first taking office in 2012. What's your evaluation of the job that he's doing? Well, I think uh, certainly he's been reelected, which reflects the support of the people of the city. I think there's been a number of important improvements that have been made in the way that city affairs are managed, particularly financial affairs. And I think he's made the downtown area a priority, which I think helps to explain some of the recent revitalization in that area of town. Scott, these kind of challenges of recreating the wealth of yesteryear are no stranger to us in Rhode Island. What's your perspective on New Bedford? Well, I think New Bedford is like a lot of the other struggling cities, the former textile towns and fishing towns. What they're lucky they have still is a very lucrative fishing industry, and that really helps them a lot, particularly the scallops. But I'm wondering, Mike, the decline of ground fishing, do you think that's going to have an impact on New Bedford? In the long run, we see some of those... Uh, species, you know, cod, for instance, are not as plentiful as they used to be. We've seen some quotas. Well, it's certainly been uh, an issue, not just for New Bedford, but certainly for the entire New England fishing industry. As the temperature changes and the climate changes, the fish have moved. The regulatory regimes that have been imposed by NOAA at the federal level have restricted, you know, the catch limits and actually put in place policies that allocate shares You've had a bit of controversy with compliance, especially recently, and restrictions on the ground fishery. But as you pointed out, the the real gold mine there is the scallop fishery, uh, which makes the city um, a leader in that industry and the highest value catch in the United States. Just one other question about that. I was talking to someone about the development around the water and the industries, and they were talking about some tension between the fishing industry as well as these research organizations. What's your take on that? Is there Are they going to be coming together? I think the jury's still out, but I do think the New Bedford and the waterfront, there's going to be a lot of tensions. There's existing industrial uses. It certainly works as a port. It's both landing fish and processing fish that are coming in from other places around the, the region. And so it's already a busy working port and a point of entry for many products. It's increasingly an attractive area for uh, visitors and for potential residents. And so there's pressure on that as well. 
And I think the tension that's going to be ratcheted up as the offshore wind industry comes online, there's going to be a lot of competition for that land and a lot of stress. I, I, I think that's going to be a challenge, but I think it's a challenge that can be managed. One focal point for your public policy center is the so-called gateway cities like New Bedford and Fall River, which have traditionally underperformed economically. How do you see the outlook moving forward? Is there Are there strategies that will help cities like those to have better economies in the future? Yes. I mean, I think that the challenge that all of our former industrial leaders in terms of the urban areas of Massachusetts face, including Fall River and New Bedford, is they haven't all successfully made the adjustment to the new economy. So lower levels of educational attainment are increasingly a challenge for them being competitive. And so I do think that educational attainment and skills development are at the top of the list of challenges our state economy is driven by innovation and technology. We've had a lot of that growth concentrated in the core greater Boston area. We haven't had as much success extending the benefits and the opportunities that come from that leadership to the rest of the state. And I think that's been the challenge. Maureen, some of the challenges outlined by Mike sound like things that we're very familiar with here in Rhode Island. Sure. I mean, one of the things that I think we've done a pretty good job is is engaging companies to do technical education for those jobs that don't involve, you know, higher education and advanced degrees. And I think it's worked pretty well. And I think we're starting to invest more and more in that. And I wonder how that's going in, in New Bedford or in the area. The first five or six years of the recovery and then the expansion following the Great Recession, Really, these communities, including Fall River and New Bedford, lagged pretty significantly. We've seen that change in recent years as the rising tide has started to lift more boats. And so I think there is some momentum in those areas. But over the long run, improving outcomes at the K-12 level, getting more of our younger people into higher education, helping them to stay there after they complete their degree is what's going to be necessary if we're going to attract and retain the kind of businesses you're talking about. I'm wondering, Mike, does southeastern Massachusetts have a sufficient transportation infrastructure to really support the 21st century economy? No. <laughs> if you were a philosopher king and could allocate resources to trying to fix that, where would you start? There's a number of different places. I, I live in the Boston area and commute down to the south coast, and it's very lonely going from north to south in the morning and not so lonely going from the south coast to the greater Boston area. So I think we have this uh, imbalanced growth that's led to real stress and strain on our transportation system. Certainly the South Coast Rail project that's been discussed for generations now appears to be actually coming together. I think that could help, but we do need better access on, on our roadways. And I think if we could get more economic development outside of the greater Boston area, maybe some of our residents might actually get to work a little closer to home. Finally, we know there's a strong strain of provincialism in New England. We see that in Rhode Island, where efforts at regionalization have traditionally been resisted. What's your sense of how New Bedford and Fall River are affected by provincialism? I think it's a profound disadvantage, both for the South Coast region, certainly it sounds like it's an issue here in Rhode Island, and for New England more broadly. It's hard enough to get communities talking to one another within the region, let alone across the state, and I think that's been a competitive disadvantage. Some work we've done at the Public Policy Center, my colleague Elise Kareva and I, um, has been looking at the direct connections economically, socially, culturally, infrastructure-wise between our two states. And, and essentially what emerges is clear evidence that, if anything, the South Coast region is much more closely tied to the state of Rhode Island than it is to the greater Boston area. 
that's not an argument against trying to build those connections and to serve people who are traveling to and from the region and the capital. But I do think there are missed opportunities on both sides of the border to work more effectively together. And what would it take to overcome those disadvantages and to forge more regional collaboration? Well, I think it's already happening in certain sectors. So, for example, in higher education, my colleagues at our School of Marine Science and Technology are working with scholars at the University of Rhode Island, at Woods Hole, Oceanographic Institution on the Cape, certainly Naval Underwater Warfare Center and other resources here. So that stuff's already happening. The political stuff or the the collaborative and joint marketing efforts, I think, have been stymied by some of this provincialism and some of this concern about who's going to get credit. Um, When you look at commuting patterns, when you look at the regional labor market, we rely on your people for our uh, employers and vice versa. You know, the commuting patterns are two directions. Whereas, as I mentioned, the relationship with Boston is decidedly one way. And so I think there's a lot to be gained and we're leaving a lot of opportunities on the table if we don't find better ways to work together across the border. All right. On that note, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Great to be here. Maureen. Thank you. And from the Public Policy Center at the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth, Mike Goodman. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Robertson Foundation, continuing the commitment of its founder, Stephen Hamlet, to honest government and wrote on through in-depth political coverage.